Wonderful. Thank you uh, very much, Brian. And uh, I know someone will notify me if I'm not uh, coming across or I've done something wrong technologically, which I am very capable of doing. Um, it is a delight uh, to actually be on a Zoom uh, call like this. Uh, I've, I've done some sermons for other churches, but they've asked me uh, to pre-record them. And I think they wanted a little chance to edit out some of my stuff. I don't know. But uh, it is great to be able to see people uh, while we're uh, in the process of doing this. And I'll confess to you that, um, um, you know, six weeks ago or eight weeks ago, I'd never heard of Zoom and go to meeting and social distancing. And so we certainly find ourselves in a most interesting time uh, to be uh, following Jesus Christ and to trying to be, okay, what is the expression of his church and his people to be um, as we respond uh, to this. Um, it's uh, wonderful to be connected to anything with Brian uh, involved. Brian's a great friend. He and Esther are vital parts of our Brantford camp, but wonderful encouragers uh, to us along the way. Also, Wayne and uh, Josh are uh, involved with us uh, as uh, counselors at our Brantford camp, and we uh, greatly appreciate uh, having them along. Um, we, I have, I have a long um, history with Peterborough. Um, before there was hockey ministries, for some reason, and I can't even remember why it got started, but way back in the days of Roger Nielsen, um, so we're talking, I think, are we talking the late seventies or early eighties? Um, and I was involved along with a couple other guys in doing a chapel with the Peterborough Peets back then. And there was no organizational structure. It was the only thing going, uh, of that nature. But, uh, so interesting to see the way the Lord has developed a ministry in this area. And it certainly has been my privilege to serve, um, in it. Um, it is an interesting time as we explore together and watch our politicians, our medical people, our business people, our educators all try to process, well, how do, how do we react to this pandemic? Um, there is no map. There is no pamphlet out there that says, well, here are the steps to deal with a uh, pandemic. And, and so it, there's very much, I think, even in the sharing time, there was mention of fear, there's mention of the unknown, um, and, and our culture very much is, is facing that. And uh, it, it, it brings us to a point where we can ask the question, what does one do when one doesn't know what to do? Um, there, is, there, there is not something that uh, our premier or our prime minister can follow um, along these lines. And so it's a, it's a great question. How does one react uh, uh, when you don't know what to do? And, and already it's been shared this role. Some people are reacting in fear. Some people we've seen have reacted by hoarding. Um, other people are, you know, reacting, doing wonderful things, being heroic in it. And a passage of scripture that was read for us that really struck me in it is the passage that in John chapter 2, where Jesus performs his first miracle. And uh, it's the turning of water into wine at a wedding in Cana. And it's not so much the miracle that I want to talk about this morning, although that's a wonderful thing. And I don't want you to be thinking that, you know, because of COVID and, you know, what we're supposed to do and we don't know what to do is start drinking. I'm not 
suggesting that at all. But what I, I, I do find the awkward conversation that takes place in John chapter 2 between Jesus and his, and his mother Mary very insightful. As the text says that Jesus and his friends, his disciples, were at a wedding, and at some point in the wedding, in, in verse chapter, uh, in, in verse 3, um, Mary comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, they have no more wine. And I don't know what the tone Mary is bringing as she says that. I don't know if she's being critical of the wedding planners. I don't know if she somehow is thinking that, you know, these hosts are cheap and they skimped on the, on the wine. Or I don't know if she's somehow holding Jesus responsible because he brought those fishermen along. And sometimes fishermen are prone to drink a lot. And, he, you know, she's saying we had, there's no more wine and she's looking across the room and there's Peter with the last jug uh, sharing it with the other guys. I, I don't know what, what it is. But Jesus' answer to her is, dear woman, why do you involve me? And then he adds, because my time has not yet come. And that last phrase, because my time has not yet come, is, of course, in reference to his messianic role, that he has come to save the world and that the, his life, there will be more miracles, his teachings, uh, his, his arrest, his uh, trial, his death on a cross, his resurrection is still to come, and this is not the moment for that. But his, his initial response to her actually makes sense to me as a man. You know, other, other, the, the reference, dear woman, when I had some Middle Eastern friends explain to me that that is not a term of affection, but it is a term of respect. When he says to her, dear mother, I, I'm sorry, dear woman, he doesn't say mother, he says, dear woman, he is being respectful, but he is not at all being affectionate. But the response, why do you involve me, I think makes perfect sense. And if you're at a wedding and um, you're, a, you're a trained carpenter and someone comes to you and says, there's no more wine, I'm not sure what they're expecting you to do. Uh, if someone came to you and said, well, the table's broken, well, that would make sense and say, okay, well, I can do that. But why in the world would someone come because there's a shortage of beverages and to come to Jesus and say that to them. And so that's what his, his, his mother has, has done. But what's interesting is that's the end of the conversation. Mary doesn't say anything more to, to Jesus. Jesus doesn't say anything more in explanation to Mary. But then Mary turns to the servants and I think says the words that will encourage and strengthen our hearts and can, the wisest things I think we can hear this morning is, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. What is it we're to do when we don't know what to do? Do whatever it is Jesus tells us to do. Um, during the Second World War, uh, the Ukraine found itself caught between the, the forces from co uh, communist Russia and the forces of, of Nazi Germany. And uh, uh, the bishop, the Orthodox bishop was asked, what are we supposed to do? And he said, 
when we don't know what to do, let's care for the children. Well, when you don't know what to do, do good things. But Jesus is the one is is the one that we can look to, and and we can say, well, when we don't know what to do, what is it we're we're to do? And I think uh, some again references were already made to the whole issue of fear. We know that Jesus tells us that the greatest thing we can do, and I'll read to you um, from Luke. He says. When he was asked, what's the most important thing we can do? You, you folks know this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In the, in the middle of this thing, what is it we're to do? We're to connect with God, aren't we? We're to listen to him. We're to love him. In, in Peter, um, in, in the fifth chapter of 1 Peter, he tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I love that term, he cares for you. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have stress. But cast it all on Jesus. I know many of us are going through this pandemic in different ways ways. We, we, we heard this morning of the fourth care worker who has passed away. Some of you have little children at home and it's hectic and it's stressful. We're just an old couple in a more than adequate house. We got a fridge full of food. We're inconvenienced and uh, at best. Um, but others uh, are, are heroic in, in what they're doing as they're out there. But all, what we do know is the greatest thing we can do is love God. And in our response, and, and, and while we're in the process of, of loving God, we know that he cares for us. Many people have asked, you know, why is this going on? And, and I have responded that simply, Jesus is not one that gives us answers, but Jesus has always promised us his presence, that he is near. As we go through our chapels, we are working um, with, often with hockey players who have never owned a Bible, who have never been to church, who don't know anything about it. And one of the first concepts we introduce to them is that there is a God, and he is near, and he loves them, and he is present with them. God cares for you. And what is it we do when we we don't know what to do. Well, we love God. We connect to God. Well, how do we do that? We connect with God in, in, in we all know, through prayer. But often as I journal and as I go through my, my prayer experience, I realize I'm doing an awful lot of talking. I'm doing a lot of listening. I'm doing a lot of here, you know, here's what's on my heart, Lord, which is, I think, a wonderful thing, and I'm free to do that. But what I, I need to do is I need to listen. I need to be still. I need to be quiet in my prayer time. And again, some of you have got, you're rolling your eyes already going, what does he know? I got four kids at home here and I'm supposed to homeschool them. Um, and, and so I'm with you. I, I understand this is, can, can be a challenge. But are there moments in our days when we set aside and we can hear him? And of course, 
We have his word. I don't need to tell the Auburn Bible Chapel about the importance of the word. You are people who are highly uh, respectful and followers of God's word. But the word is alive. The word is powerful. It penetrates our souls and it speaks to our minds. And so we have that wonderful opportunity of prayer and the insights of the revelation of God to us as he has uh, expressed it to us in his word. But we are also part, and it's, it's so wonderful to see so many people um, involved here this morning. We're also part of a community and that God's, uh, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always lived out in community. It's always lived out in the one another's, isn't it? And you have creatively thought, well, how can we continue to interact? How can we continue to care for one another? What is the role that Jesus is calling me to be his presence in other people's lives within this community? And what is his, what is the community saying and how is it encouraging and how is it strengthening me? But then, of course, the community looks outside itself. And the community is not just about Auburn. It's never just about you. It's always about, well, we are to go into all the world. And how is it that we connect with this community and this, and this world? Well, there are many creative ways um, we do it. Part of it is, is provide safety, encouragement, and just the day-to-day need necessities of, of people. Uh, my daughter serves at a refugee center, and she's frontline and she's you know vulnerable they they can't do uh, social distancing and they're doing the best they can to keep things clean and to be wise and in in all of that but she is bringing the presence of Christ into this fearful world of of refugees and it's it's just amazing to see how anxiety is lifted because of the care and because of the presence of Jesus Christ as as he as we know that this um, the continuation of this conversation was that Jesus gave instructions and indeed um, he turned water into wine and it was good wine and what that tells us is that in the midst of situations God's goodness is what He desires for our hearts and for our souls and for our loved ones. We know he is presence. We know that he loves us. We know that we have the opportunity to enjoy his, his rela- relationship with him through prayer. We know that um, in that prayer, we can speak whatever's on our hearts. We just recently um, led an NHL office official to the Lord, and he has got some significant issues going on in his life. And I'm teaching him how to pray the Psalms, that the Psalms have all sorts of expressions of insecurity, even anger, even bewilderment. And yet always God is the foundation. God is the hope. God is the light. God is the presence. And so go through and, and uh Pray those psalms as you listen to what God is saying to us. A number of years ago, I, uh, uh, Brian very kindly mentioned I pastored in, in Toronto for 18 years. Uh, before that, I, I served in a, a small seminary in the country of Angola at that time. Angola was in a civil war. And one of the items that I learned while I was there was in, in the midst of the suffering, the poverty, 
um, a, a communist country trying to kill off the church, literally. Um, the church was alive because they clung to the great truth that Jesus Christ was present. When we came home from Angola, I was asked to speak at a conference that took place in Washington State. Um, they wanted to you know, sort of insights into what was going on and how best respond to the situation in An Angola. And it was one of those situations, um, you know, back in those days, people dressed in, in jackets and ties. It was quite a formal setting. And uh, just before I got up to, to speak, they announced that the Canadian author, Mike Mason, was going to be over in the bookstore and he was going to be signing books and you could buy his books at a discount. Well, I had read one of his books on marriage, and he had written another book on Ecclesiastes. And I thought, this is going to be great. I'll get a deal on them. I'll get him to sign them, and I'll give them as Christmas presents, and people will think I'm a big spender. Um, but uh, as um, I was speaking, I noticed there was a couple sitting right in the front, and uh, they, had, uh, they were not dressed in suits and ties, but rather, you know, in, in denim and corduroy. And, but they just were riveted at everything I, I was saying, so much so that I thought, my, maybe I've just shaved half my face or something. Why are they, you know, I'm not that good. And, uh, and uh, anyway, they, they came up to me right after with incredible, insightful questions. They had really listened, and they were thoughtful, thoughtful people. And as I was talking to them, I was trying to get over to see Mike Mason, and so I'm kind of talking to them, and I'm trying to walk away from them. I was actually, I realized I'm being very rude. And so I said to them, I'm so sorry. I said, but I want to get over and, and just see Mike Mason and get him to sign these books, and then why don't I come back here, and then we can spend the whole afternoon together, and we can talk about it, because you have some great questions. And the guy kind of looked embarrassed and he shuffled his feet and he looked up at me and he said, I am Mike Mason. And here I was trying to get away from what I really wanted. And in this COVID situation, we can go through and we think that if we have this answer or we have that answer or we have the other answer, you know, if we can just get enough meat in our freezer or bread in the, in, the, in, the, in the fridge, whatever it is, can we solve this problem that way? I have quickly learned that I am a control person and the thing that I miss about this is the, uh, the, the illusion that I had that I had control. And it's not, I'm worried about money, but it is I wanna be in control of situations. And I don't have that anymore and there is nothing that, that we can manipulate, organize to, to solve this. And the, the words of Mary are, do whatever he tells you to do. And as I was trying to get away from Mike Mason, who I was trying to go and see, um, it, it just spoke to my heart about, this is how sometimes, this is how we need to be, sure that it is the Jesus and Jesus alone that we are turning to and we truly are doing whatever he tells us to do. Thank you and may God continue to bless you as, as God's people serving in the wonderful place of Peterborough.